When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In interview after interview, week after week, for six whole months, we were told... He will take full responsibility for whatever the Sue Gray report comes out with. Sue Gray. Sue Gray. Sue Gray. Wait for the results of the Sue Gray inquiry. I'm waiting for the report. Well, we were waiting too, until yesterday. Finally. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Matt Shawley. This is Times Radio. I think that police siren is probably unrelated to the fact that the Sue Gray report has been delivered to number 10. We will bring you details. Sue Gray has provided Boris Johnson with her final report. So, it's finally here. We've poured over every detail, and today we'll bring you everything you need to know about the report. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, what the Sue Gray report means for Boris Johnson. My name is Charlotte Ivers. I'm the political correspondent for Times Radio and I also write a column for The Sunday Times. Charlotte, for months now, we've heard everyone. We've heard Tory MPs, backbenchers, the Prime Minister himself saying, wait for Sue Gray. And then in the last few days, there was this flurry of activity around whether Sue Gray had met Boris Johnson, whether we'd see the report at all. And then finally it came, just half an hour before PMQs. This has been weeks and months in the waiting. We were told that Sue Gray was going to investigate the parties in Downing Street. She wasn't the first person who was meant to do that investigation. The first person was Simon Case, the cabinet secretary. Then it emerged that actually his own team had had some form of gathering, which he had been aware of. Therefore, he was considered not appropriate to investigate the parties. And Sue Gray took over the second permanent secretary in the cabinet office. She is the former head of ethics in the cabinet office, essentially in charge of the behaviour of senior government officials and political figures. So she's a very senior civil servant. She took over. Then her report was significantly delayed because the Metropolitan Police decided that they were going to investigate the parties. We saw a brief interim report from her that didn't give us a huge amount of detail 
Then it was over to the Met who investigated. They found several breaches of the coronavirus rules, one of them by the Prime Minister, one of them by the Chancellor at the Prime Minister's birthday event, and then over a hundred other instances of fixed penalty notices within Downing Street. Then it was back to Sue Gray. And as you say, yesterday was the day where we finally got to see that report in full. I'm grateful to Sue Gray for her report today. And I want to thank her for the work that she's done. And I also want to say, Mr Speaker, above all, that I take full responsibility for everything that took place on my watch. So you've got all sorts of stories about a civil servant vomiting from excessive alcohol consumption. You've got people coming into work the day after these parties and seeing wine bottles everywhere. You've got stories of wine being spilled on the walls, people leaving at 2am after a party, one person leaving at 4am after that party, people being asked to stop or being warned about these parties by custodians, they're the security guards in Downing Street, and being rude to them and other staff like cleaning staff. So there's a huge amount of detail that this puts on the bones of some of those stories that we've been hearing. It's worth noting as well this clear sense from some of the written records that some of the people in Downing Street knew that what they were doing was not appropriate and were looking to in some way either avoid it or cover it up. So you've got the director of communications in Downing Street responding to the request for a party saying that a 200 odd person invitation for drinks is somewhat of a comms risk in the current environment, but also saying, I'm sure it'll be fine. And I applaud the gesture. Now, it's worth noting that that director of communications does say that he followed up with a warning in person that this should not actually go ahead. Then you've also got an event which was first described in everyone's calendars as a cheese and wine evening. It was later changed to end of year meeting with cheese and wine. So again, that sense that there was something that was going wrong here and there was something that perhaps needed a paper trail covering it up. I mean, talk us through some of those events because that's what this report does incredibly well. It pulls out the events that we'd sort of had a notion of. I don't think we'd heard about all of them before, but it sets out what was happening in the country at the time, what the rules were, what the laws were for everybody else, and what was happening behind closed doors at number 10. So take me back to one of the first events on the 20th of May, 2020. This is barely a a month or two into the first lockdown when the whole country is completely stopped. And this is the event you, you described, 200 people being invited to drinks in the garden. Tell me a bit about what we now know happened. This is the event whereby Martin Reynolds, the Prime Minister's principal private secretary, sent out an email to 200 people who work within Downing Street, asking them to come and enjoy a Bring Your Own Booze event in the Downing Street garden. He talks about the good weather and the need to make the most of it. There were drinks and pizza provided, says Sue Gray's report. And we know the Prime Minister attended for 30 minutes. He wasn't fined for this event. Afterwards, Sue Gray notes that Martin Reynolds texted one of the Prime Minister's special advisers talking about a different news story which was emerging, saying, best of luck, a complete non-story, but better than them focusing on our drinks, brackets, which we seem to have got away with. So clearly then, again, this sense that something was wrong. It's fascinating. So it does show that this isn't just an accident. Clearly they knew. 
Yes, it does seem to be the case that a lot of people within Downing Street knew that these events were an issue. One of these events took place at the same time as one of the COVID press conferences. Hello, good afternoon and welcome to today's briefing. Thanks to the hard work and sacrifices of the British people in this lockdown, we've helped to bring the R level down. And there's a series of messages which do the rounds within Downing Street in which someone notes that there will be press leaving the building at around the same time this event is kicking off and notes that it would probably not be a good idea for the press to see people swinging bottles of wine around and notes that this should be something which should be avoided. You then get a reply from Martin Reynolds essentially saying, I'll see what I can do on that front. And, you know, you sort of remember all of us being glued to the screens as those press conferences were happening. It was real sort of angst, worrying about what was happening. And the idea that there were bottles of wine in the background is just so surprising. Take us to another one of the events. I mean, there'd been an awful lot in the press about the birthday party when Boris Johnson, as he said, was ambushed by cake. What I think is really interesting about the report is that you suddenly realise that that afternoon event comes as part of a culture, really, because the night before, there was another party taking place on the 18th of June, 2020. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, this is an event we didn't have a huge amount of details for. This was a leaving drinks for a very senior civil servant called Helen McNamara. There's a series of messages on the 12th of June, an exchange of WhatsApp messages, in which Martin Reynolds and Lee Kane, who is the aforementioned Director of Communications, discuss whether they will be able to organise this event and they essentially talk about the risks associated with it. Lee Kane says that he's not sure if it will work, which is a shame, but he doesn't see how they can have some sort of a party. There are then further email exchanges that take place. These again give us this hint that something is afoot, that they know that something is going wrong. Here's number 10 official emailing the official who this party is in honour of. Hi, Martin and Stuart would like to do speeches tomorrow when you have your drinks, which aren't drinks. What time are we planning on the drinks? So clearly, again... Drinks which aren't drinks. Drinks which aren't drinks, exactly. So that's the planning stage of the event. Then you've actually got the after party, if you will. You've got the official event. Sue Gray is very good at doing the the planning stage, so you know that people were planning an event, it didn't just accidentally happen. And then the event itself. And then the event itself. So you've got this official element of the event that involves those speeches. That's the pre-planned bit. And then the event just seems to carry on. It goes on later into the evening. There is a karaoke machine that was set up for people's amusement. And then Sue Gray says the event lasted for a number of hours. There was excessive alcohol consumption by some individuals. One individual was sick. There was a minor altercation between two other individuals. The event broke up in stages with a few members of staff leaving from around 9pm and the last member of staff who stayed to tidy up leaving at 03.13. So a party that went on into the, the, the early hours involved a karaoke machine, a fight and somebody vomiting. Yes. Yeah. And there are a number of events, you know, throughout that summer, there are more parties, but I'm going to take you to the autumn. So the second lockdown in this country was introduced on the 5th of November. We'd all had to to go back to restricting our movements again. Throughout this pandemic, the government has done whatever it takes. I know how tough this is. And then on the 13th of November, 2020, there's a gathering in number 10, and it's a leaving party 
for, we think, Lee Kane and I guess Dominic Cummings, it was around the same time. And there are two separate parties going on in the building. Yes, as you say, this was during the second national lockdown. So this was when we were all following stay-at-home guidance and indoor gatherings of two or more people were not permitted apart from for the permitted exemptions, reasonable work purposes, essentially. And there was a leaving do for Dominic Cummings and for Lee Kane, or rather Dominic Cummings and Lee Kane were leaving on that day and there was a speech and drinks in Downing Street for Lee Kane later on. The Prime Minister did attend that event on his way to his flat. There were lots of people at this party and the Prime Minister and those attending were drinking alcohol, Sue Gray finds. Then later on in the evening, the Prime Minister heads up to his flat. This is where things get rather interesting and also rather more opaque. So what Sue Gray says is that following the announcement of the departure of Dominic Cummings and Lee Kane, a meeting was held in the number 10 flat sometime after 6pm to discuss the handling of their departure. Five special advisers attended. The Prime Minister joined them at around 8pm. Food and alcohol were available. The discussion carried on later into the evening with attendees leaving at various points. Sue Gray also says that she had started investigating this event. Then the Met Police said that they would be inquiring into it. And as a result of that, she stopped her investigation. After they didn't issue fines for it, she decided it was not appropriate to continue her investigations. Now, there are a couple of factors which make this event rather interesting. Firstly, the Mm. Prime Minister says of this event that he was actually conducting a job interview with Henry Newman, who would go on to be a senior number 10 official. That is not what is described in the Sue Gray report. Then, as well as that, there are reports from the time of people hearing ABBA blaring out of the windows of that Downing Street flat. So I would say this is probably the one that is most up in the air. I mean, it was reported that, you know, it was ABBA and it was specifically, I think, Winner Takes It All that was being played very loudly from the flat, which presumably was a reference to the long-running feud between the Prime Minister's wife and his team with Dominic Cummings and Lee Kane, who were now leaving. I mean, it does sound like if it was a meeting with five special advisers, it was certainly a meeting with musical accompaniment. A meeting with musical accompaniment, a meeting with alcohol, (laughs) a meeting that the Prime Minister seems to have described as a job interview, but then he was asked in Parliament what the other people there were doing. He didn't really want to answer that question. He very much dodged it. So I think there are a lot of things we still don't know about the so-called ABBA party. Is there a sense that if Sue Gray has said she's not investigating, the police seem to have have bypassed it too? Will we ever get to the bottom of that? I think this might be one for Her Majesty's Fourth Estate, to be honest. I'm not sure we're going to get anything official from the Whitehall machinery or from the Metropolitan Police on this. Coming up, what happened at the Downing Street party held on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral? And what does the public make of the scandal? But first... I'm Matt Chorley. I'm a columnist for The Times and presenter on Times Radio. And we try to cover all the biggest stories, bringing you politics without the boring bits. We can only do this thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. So subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Charlotte, we can see from the Sue Gray report there was a flurry of Christmas parties, which in some ways is quite surprising because, you know, looking back to December 2020, that was a period when cases were doubling every week. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, we know that Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson were pushing back against having another lockdown, against sage advice. And then we find that inside the building on the 18th of December, we know that there seems to have been another party going on. Yes, there are a fair few Christmas events, actually. Just skimming through some of them now, a gathering at the Department for Education. That was on the 10th of December, 15th of December, a gathering in 10 Downing Street for an online Christmas quiz. That was the one where people were conducting an online quiz, but they were sitting in groups in their offices together, drinking and participating. And then, as you say, we get to a gathering in 10 Downing Street ahead of the Christmas break on the 18th of December. This is the Downing Street press office. It lasted several hours. There were between 25 and 45 individuals who attended over the course of the evening. And this is the one with the Secret Santa and the awards ceremony. We got some pretty lurid details. At quarter to eight in the evening, a panic alarm button was accidentally triggered by a member of staff. This is also one of the cases where a cleaner who attended the next morning saw that there had been red wine spilled on one of the walls. This is as well the same event which was the invite for wine and cheese evening. There is a message that goes around in advance of this event saying, looking forward to a chilled WTF. When that popped up, I sort of thought that's remarkably uncivil service language for for what a lot of people were probably thinking reading this at that point, but that's not what WTF means. No. (laughs) Just talk us through, what is WTF in Downing Street terms? WTF is Wine Time Fridays. Wine Time Fridays was a standing calendar invite starting at 4pm on Fridays. And essentially, someone would be dispatched to go and get drinks, go and get food for everyone, and they would have a little get-together. And I think it's probably just surprising, you know, even putting the pandemic aside, not many offices can get away with can get away with wine time Fridays. Take us to another key date, which we'd heard a bit about in the press beforehand. But this is the 16th of April 2021. This is the day before Prince Philip's funeral, that that moment when the Queen was sat alone attending her husband's funeral because of the restrictions in place. What was happening in Downing Street? 
Well, on that day, there were two separate events, two different leaving dues. And then later on in the evening, the two events merged. Sue Gray describes it as both groups met in the number 10 garden later that evening. The event lasted for several hours. Worth noting that the Prime Minister was not in the building for this one. He was at his official residence in Chequers. And this seems to have been one of the most raucous ones. People will remember this one as the party where Wilf Johnson's swing was broken. Sue Gray puts it in very civil servants tactful language. A number of individuals gathered near a child's swing slash slide in the garden, damaging it by leaning it and playing with it. This was noticed the next morning and reported to number 10 staff. So put in less tactful language, what that essentially means is people got drunk, had a go on a toddler's swing, and then it was broken. This is also the party where people left pretty late on. Exit lots indicate that some left after midnight, others between 01.45 and 02.45. Two members of staff stayed later still, one leaving at 3.11 and the last leaving at 4.20. And this was, a, this was another party with, with a karaoke machine. And, and again, sort of Helen McNamara is, is named and there aren't many people who are named, but she was Deputy Cabinet Secretary, but also, and this, this is the ironic part, Director General of Propriety and Ethics in the Cabinet Office from 2018 till 2020. Yes, I think this is a really key factor in this report. Sue Gray only naming senior officials, but it's worth noting quite how senior some of those officials are. Martin Reynolds in particular, he is the one who sent round that email for 200 people inviting them to this event in the Downing Street garden. He is also the one who sent that WhatsApp saying we seem to have got away with it. He is so senior in that building. He's the Prime Minister's principal private secretary. He is the person who everyone in that building would be looking to for their leadership. And I think that's one of the key reasons you've got this finding in Sue Gray's general findings, that there were these failures of leadership and judgments by different parts of Number 10 and the Cabinet Office. And in her conclusions, one of the other things that she points to is this sense that culturally, this was quite a difficult place to be if you didn't want to go along with with the parties or, or people around the staff who work around Downing Street having complaints and it all sort of being slightly ignored. Yes, this is one of the most grim findings, I would say, in the report. Firstly, that people seem to have been extremely rude, both to the custodians in Downing Street and also to the cleaners in Downing Street. Boris Johnson has issued an apology on behalf of his team for that. Frankly, Mr Speaker, I have been appalled by some of the behaviour, particularly in the treatment of the security and the cleaning staff. And I would like to apologise to those members of staff. And then also there's this structural finding, this finding that some staff had witnessed or been subjected to behaviours that they felt concerned about, but at times felt unable to raise properly. Sue Gray describes this as unacceptable. She does say she has been reassured that steps have been taken to introduce better means to raise concerns that staff might have with the permanent secretary. I mean, she's also just quite damning about the fact that these rules were being broken at the heart of government. And she sort of says the public have a right to expect the very highest standards of behaviour in such places. And clearly what happened fell well short of this. That is one of the main takeaways from this report. Clearly, there was just a completely different attitude, a completely different mood in Downing Street to large other parts of the civil service and the rest of the country as a whole, particularly at the start of the pandemic. And if 
a lot of this, if the culture is set by the Prime Minister, how is this playing out for him now? Talk us through his statement to Parliament. Can I, can I just say to the House, I expect moderate and temperate language yes. as we come to the statement. Prime Minister! Thank you, Mr Speaker. Boris Johnson gave a statement which started with him talking about how he had been humbled by the experience, started with him apologising for the mistakes which were made in Downing Street. Sue Gray's report has emphasised that it is up to the political leadership in Number 10 to take ultimate responsibility, and of course I do. He talked about the need for reform and some of the reforms that he had already started to put in place. Then the tone shifted slightly. We don't come to the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer got up, pushed back against this, talked about one rule for them, one rule for everyone else, talked about Boris Johnson holding the British people in contempt. That report lays bare the rot that under this Prime Minister has spread in number 10. And it provides definitive proof of how those within the building treated the sacrifices of the British people with utter contempt. And really that seemed to rile Johnson up a little bit. Suddenly he was very much on the attack. Time after time, uh, he, he, he chose to focus on this issue. Uh, he, could have, he, could have rec- he could have shown some, some common sense, Mr Speaker, and recognised that when people are working very hard together, day in, day out, that it can be difficult to draw the boundary, Mr Speaker, between work and socialising. He is himself under investigation by the police, by the police, Mr Speaker, and yet, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to mince my words, I've got to say this, Sabir Korma, Mr Speaker. But very much, again, when pushed, you got this sense that he is fed up with having this conversation. He thinks it has been dwelt on for too long. And what does the rest of his party think? You know, at the height of this scandal, when... when The papers were full of reports of parties before it was being investigated. Quite a lot of backbench MPs, Tory MPs, had started to write letters calling for a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister. Some of them then retracted those letters. Where does the party stand now, having seen the report and having seen Boris Johnson's response to it? My sense from speaking to Tory MPs is broadly they want this over and done with. They want to stop talking about this. You won't find many Tory MPs who have a huge amount of love for Boris Johnson. Certainly, they weren't queuing up out of the door to try and defend him. But also as well, you weren't seeing a large number of MPs come out and criticise him who haven't already registered themselves as dissenters from Boris Johnson. I really think they want this to go away. A large part of the reason they just want this to go away is that they don't see an obvious alternative for Boris Johnson. One thing that I do think is rather interesting is a lot of MPs have been talking about the idea that actually the real point of judgment for Boris Johnson, and frankly, we've had MPs pointing to a lot of those, the Met Police investigation, the Sue Gray report, well, now they've got a new one, is the Privilege Committee investigation into the Prime Minister and whether he misled the House of Commons. A lot of talk that if it is found he did mislead the House of Commons, then he could be asked to go then. I'm less convinced. I think MPs are quite happy for this to keep being pushed into the long grass and to hope that it goes away. Do we know where the country stands on Partygate and on Boris Johnson at the end of it? 
Well, the polling isn't looking great for Boris Johnson. He has taken big hits in his personal standing. He's trailing Keir Starmer on several key leadership metrics. He as well have been, throughout the last few years, doing focus groups on Times Radio in which people have been asked about their views of Boris Johnson. And there has been a mixed bag throughout, but we've seen some real inflection points for anger. And then the recent one done on Matt Chorley's show on Times Radio really seemed to show that people were not happy with Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson is a lying buffoon. Just an idiot. Yeah, liar. Selfish, greedy man. He doesn't take it seriously. Uh, Self-promoting. Something like self-fulfilling bigot. Holsters are telling me now that he has lost that celebrity factor and now he is at best in the eyes of much of the public, just like all of the others, and at worst, worse than all the others. There's been a snap poll after the Sue Gray report was published showing 59% of people in the country think that Boris Johnson should resign as, as PM, and that's according to a YouGov snap poll yesterday. Even though people think he should resign, apparently only 7% think he actually will, which is probably accurate, I assume. Yes, I don't think Boris Johnson is going anywhere by his own accord. He really is someone who will stay in Downing Street until the very end. I remember speaking to a former very senior official from Downing Street a few months ago who said that there are two types of prime ministers leaving Downing Street. There are the ones that have to be dragged from the door and then there are the ones that have to be dragged from the door and leave their fingernails in that door as they go. And this official said Boris Johnson is almost certainly going to be the latter. People don't tend to leave that building of their own free will. And I think Boris Johnson feels pretty convinced from speaking to people around him that he will be able to ride this one out and he doesn't want to see himself forced out by anyone else. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Times Radio political correspondent, Charlotte Ivers. If you enjoyed today's episode, you might like Matt Chorley's show on Times Radio every weekday from 10am to 1pm, politics without the boring bits. You can also catch him on the Red Box podcast, and you can read Charlotte every weekend in The Sunday Times. The producers today were James Shield, Taryn Siegel and Marilyn Rust. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.